it's so good to be together. Uh, I have a couple announcements to kick us off this morning, uh, and then we're going to jump into a time of, of worship and song. Uh, if you are new to Freshwater, there is a new class coming up called Freshwater Basics that we would love for you to go through. It's going to give you more details on what, what Freshwater is, who Freshwater is, uh, and the important things uh, in the culture here at our church. Uh, and it's a great opportunity just to, to assimilate into uh, our family, uh, which we would love to, to bring you into. Uh, so you can sign up for that. It is on October 25th, coming up in a handful of weeks here. You can sign up for that on our website, which is thefreshwater.church. Uh, uh, I think that's wrong. Is that right? I don't know. I totally messed up our website. Uh, just uh, Google Freshwater Church in Wadsworth. That'll get you there. Uh, also, exciting news. Many of you know this, but next week we will be back inside, right? Back inside in the warmth together. Uh, and it's going to be really, really cool. There will be some things that are different. You're going to want to check those out. We have a walkthrough video online on our website, as well as some more information on there, frequently asked questions. Uh, and we wanted just to highlight a couple of things for that. Number one, masks are required at all times inside. You'll see that as you're coming in the doors, there will be people there just to remind you of that. But if you can do your due diligence on that and, and bring those and have those on. The next thing is we're just encouraging people, as usual, to practice social distancing while inside so you can be with your family unit or those that you're normally with, uh, but practicing social distance with other people. The next thing is uh, we are going to have RSVP for services. There's two services, one at 8.45, one at 10.30, and on Monday, tomorrow at noon, that registration will go live, okay? So you'll want to get on. Someone was joking it's going to be like trying to buy tickets to a concert. They're going to keep refreshing until noon hits. Uh, you're going to want to get those hot tickets, all right? So uh, you'll get on the website, and you can sign up there beginning at noon tomorrow. And then the last thing is, which we do, we do so well as a church, uh, give grace and receive grace. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a different thing uh, as we go into the building. Uh, you know, we think as we get back in, maybe it'll be just like it was back in February, and it's just not. It's going to be slightly different. There's going to be changes we're all going to be adjusting to, and just encouraging us, give grace and receive grace. It's going to be, it's going to make that transition so much smoother mm -hmm. as we just take on the heart of Christ. So uh, I want to pray for us as we jump into worship, but let's stand together as we do that. Uh, as we jump into prayer, uh, we're just going to take a little bit of a time of silence, and uh, we believe that prayer is a conversation with God, and in a conversation there's times of listening and there's times of speaking. And so we're just going to take a little bit of time here, uh, uh, just a minute, and just, just hear from God, receive from God. So if you're new to that, it might be a little weird, but that's okay. Uh, everything's weird at first until we try it. And so we're just going to calm our hearts and begin to listen to God and then uh, begin to talk with Him. Holy Spirit, God, will you speak to us? God, who am I that you would call me son? And who are we as a church that you would call us the sheep of your pasture? And who are we, Lord, that you would choose us and adopt us? That you would welcome us into your courts of blessing and kindness and grace? Come in lowly of heart, Lord, humbled before your majesty, your glory, before your power, and Lord, before your fatherhood too, uh, that you would love us. There's no one like you, God. There is no one like you in holiness or in power.
There's no one like you in grace. Lord, there's no love like your love. Who can love like you love, Lord, to see sinners and broken people and still pursue and love and care and desire us to be in your family, Lord. There's no love like your love, Lord. We worship you. We honor you. We praise you. And Lord, we ask by your spirit that you would show us more of your love this morning. Unveil our eyes. In Jesus' name. in verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, he chose me. He chose you. He chose us. And he made purposefully before the foundation of the world. And I love this. This is actually one of my favorite scriptures all throughout the Bible because he chose us before the foundation of the world, knowing full well all of the good we would do, all of the bad we would do, all of the sin that we would commit and all of the corruption. He knew it and he still chose us. He still looked at you and he chose you. He chose you. I want us to hear that this morning. He chose, he chose you. He looked at you and he wanted you in his family. 
And there's a reason he wanted you in his family. It's because he loved you. And there's a second reason he wanted you. He wants you to praise him. He wants you to worship him. He wants you to lift him up. And here's what it says. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And this is important to the praise of his glorious grace. See, that's who you are. You are chosen, you are adopted, you are loved, and you are his. And so we're going to worship him in that. We're going to praise him in that because that's what he wants back. As you're in his family, he wants you to praise him. Here we sing. I am chosen, not forsaken. as we meditate on his love for us, his marvelous love. Uh, you should have gotten a packet that looks like this as you're walking in. If not, if you raise your hand, I'm sure someone will get it to you. Um, as the people of God, the gospel is always our foundation. We never move forward from it. The fact that we were sinners broken and in need of a Savior and Jesus died for us. And that's part of his choosing. He, cho he chose to go to the cross thinking of us. He chose to die and take the nails and the whip uh, for us. He chose that death, and then God brought him to life at the resurrection. And we celebrate in communion, we celebrate his broken body and his shed blood. So you can open your packet uh, and the bread that's on top. In honor of his love, his broken body, broken for our sins, let's partake of that. on his feet and pours out perfume, uh, very expensive perfume. And Jesus' answer when people criticize her for wasting the riches of that or that, those that have been forgiven much love much, right? Those that know how much they've been forgiven, they love Christ for his forgiveness. They love his kindness. They love his mercy because he's poured out love because we've tasted a love that's like no other. We then love in, in response back to that. And his, his shed blood for us 
is the epitome of that love, that he was broken and beaten, yes, but that he shed his blood in full to the point of death for our sins. Now it covers us in full. So let's partake of the cup, his blood that covers us and now we're white as snow. We praise him and worship him for that. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, uh, for the cross, for the gospel, Lord. this morning, Lord, if we could get up on mic and testify what you've forgiven us of, Lord, it would be like a mountain of sin that would just be built right here, Lord, and yet that mountain you have pushed away and leveled by the cross. So we worship you for your broken body and your shed blood. We thank you for the act of communion to remember you and remember your act on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you in your name. Amen.
Uh, this morning, I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. Um, you know, as much as we hate the mask, uh, here we are. We have not been inside the building since March. I mean, it's just crazy. And, and here we are, and we're still worshiping God, and we're still together, and we're still following him. It's amazing what, what we don't need in our faith. And what we do need, and really what we do need is Christ and the body. And then everything else can shake out however it goes. But that family, this, this family, the body of Christ is so necessary for us. And Christ in the middle of this leading our hearts. So it's been a, a good six months. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Um, but this morning, we're going to talk about um, a, a worldview. And I want to start in Genesis uh, chapter 1, and let me, uh, f- somehow this thing got, is it locked sideways? Great. I'll just do it like this. Yeah, there we go. So Genesis chapter 1, and I want to read a, a verse here, a couple of verses. Verse 26, or 25 through 27, or 26 through 27, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our own image and after our likeness. 
Let them have dominion over the flesh or the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. I want to talk about this idea of a worldview. Everyone's got one. And, and as we talk about it today, I want to give credit. Um, uh, this message has kind of been uh, something that I, I've mentioned last week that the elders uh, as a team, a team of us, we got together and we we're talking about what are the things as we look at our culture and all that's been going on here, what are the things that we sense God's leading us to speak into. And um, the theme of this series, these four weeks, is called How Then Shall We Live? And I have uh, someone in our church who used to be a friend of mine, and he sent me a video this past week. He's no longer a friend. Um, but he said, Scott, do you realize the title of the book is How Should We Then Live? And, and you said, How Then Should We Live? It's a detail. That's all that is. It's a simple detail. But it, it's Francis Schaeffer, and um, some, someday I'll reconcile with that person. Um, but uh, also, I just want to let you know, uh, there's another book, as I'm preparing for this message, or as I was preparing for this, I've read over this last year, and it's, it's Love Thy Body by uh, a gal named Percy. And so these two books uh, and the conversations with the elders, I just want to give credit to that as we're going forward. But everyone has a worldview. Now, you may not have one defined necessarily on a piece of paper that you could say, this is my worldview. Christians have a worldview. It's a worldview, if you're a Christian, that's given to us rather than one that we create. And if you're on this journey of following Christ, as you listen to this message, you're going to go, that is not my worldview. And I get it. Um, I understand that. We, we all have different worldviews. And, and there's a piece of this of, I don't think Christ would have you try to change your worldview before you actually get to know him. Because once you get to know him, then things start to change. Um, but you may find that this is, is dissonant. There's a rub as I go through this. And so I'm, I want to just kind of come from a biblical worldview and talk about that and explain what this means and the implications in our culture and our time. But a worldview, when, when you talk about a verse like this that says, God created man in his own image... In his image, right? He created them male and female. That's a worldview. That has dramatic implications on life. As someone who follows Christ, we don't get to change our worldview, get to modify it. It's given to us. Even though it may, may put us in places where we're uncomfortable even though it may be out of step with the larger culture, it doesn't lessen its truthfulness. And so the question is, how then shall we live, or how shall we then live <laughs> with a biblical worldview? And more importantly, a worldview when the culture around us is, is actually trying to cancel it. And it's a... And when you talk about worldview, it's an expansive thing. It can cover all kinds of things. So we're going to talk about this idea of our humanity and how we were created from Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> now, I don't know if you realize Genesis 1 is a worldview, but it is. And I'm wondering, do you believe it? How confident are you in this? And it's not just here. It's in chapter 2. Chapter 2 of Genesis says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Genesis 5 says this, When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. Jesus goes on to say in the New Testament, in Mark, From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And again in Matthew, he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? See, these aren't just verses. This is part of the very fabric of the word of God and how he, real, or how he views reality and defines reality. <clears throat> what the Bible says throughout it, and these are just a few of the number of passages that talk about this, is that 
we are physical beings made in the image of God. So physical and immaterial beings, right? So the physical part is the stuff that we can see. We have physical bodies. Men have physical bodies that are different than women. Women have physical bodies that are distinct and different from men. That's the material part, verifiable, scientifically proven. You can see, we can all look around and go, yes, okay, there are men and women here with different physiological bodies, right? Created in his image is that immaterial, right? Immaterial is a weird word, but the unseen part of who we are. Our ability to think, our minds, our heart, our spirit. That allows us to choose, to love, to think. And this biblical worldview isn't just based on scripture. It's based on observable evidence that you can see around us. And the, the biological purposes that are evident physiologically. And the fact that these purposes are undeniably called good. A biblical worldview, let me just say this very carefully and slowly, is committed to this idea and the reality and the truth that the physical and the immaterial, the mind, soul, spirit, they can't be separated. They can't be elevated one above the other without doing significant harm and ultimately contradicting a biblical reality. Now, you may sit there and go, I, I'm not sure what you've just said there, but I think I might agree. But God would have us be tens on this, not fives, not twos. This is a ten. And my question is, how then are you living with this worldview? I'm asking because this worldview is under assault. The cancel train is headed on the tracks towards those who have a worldview like this. And if you and I don't know the worldview that we hold or a biblical worldview and we're not certain about it, we will jump. We will move away. So our country has embraced a secular worldview. There's no creator, right? We're just random chance accidents, a, a universal burp, right, is, is all we are. You're a collection of protons, neutrons. There's no meaning to your existence. There's no purpose to your existence. You're just an accident. I'm just an accident. And because of that, there's no moral absolutes. Every person is permitted to make their own truth, create their own reality, and societies can make their own truth and their own realities, and even force others to comply with the way they define it. A secular worldview, in a secular worldview, nothing is certain, right? Except the statement that there is absolutely nothing certain, which is an absolute statement, and that's all messed up. Uh, philosophically, you would call that a logical contradiction, but that's a secular worldview. The longer it goes on, it always and must lead towards chaos, anarchy, insanity, because there's no moral law or standard. And ultimately, it creates a vacuum where somebody at some point will get so frustrated or so angry or be so passionate about what they define as truth that they will forcefully take power and make everyone submit to their definition of truth. History plays this out over and over and over and over and over again. It's what happens. One of the things of a secular worldview is this idea of dualism. This idea of separating the body is called dualism, separating it from the immaterial, right? The mind, the spirit, the soul. So what happens is in a dual, secular dualism, right, is it says the body doesn't matter. Only what matters is our heart, our mind, soul. Well, they don't have a spirit, but that. That the immaterial part, the stuff that we, we say up here, what we think, what we create in our minds as truth, as reality, that's the only thing that's important. Francis Schaeffer is famous for using a building illustration to demonstrate 
secular, which is godless, right? Dualism, which is two different things. Secular dualism. So I, I know it's a word we never use. Dualism is like, what? So we'll, we'll explain it here in a second. But Francis Schaeffer uses, this, uses a two-story house, right? So the first floor is, is our bodies, the physical. It's what can be seen, proven, tested, right, touch, held, right? So our bodies this are the first floor of the house. The second floor of the house is different. It's our mind, our will, our spirit. If you're going with a Christian worldview, in a secular world, right, the upstairs, our mind, will, emotions, all that is private. It's relative. It's subjective. And whatever is true in your little second floor of your home is true for you. And whatever is true for me in the second floor of my home is true for me. And those two don't have to be the same thing. In America and Europe, or anyone who goes for a dualistic worldview, they separate the first floor from the second floor. So let me show you. This is my house. It's a great house. I don't know if you guys can see it. It's, it's a masterpiece, right? So if you can see this, I've got a, a cardboard box. It's got a house, right? And it's got a roof. And it's got some windows. Let me demonstrate to you what happens. This is, this is dualism. This is a separation from the first floor to the second. That's dualism. Does that make sense? And actually, I forgot to bring my duct tape out. Ah, oh, this is such a sad thing. So what happens is actually, in dualism, it's not only cut apart. You put duct tape here, right? And you put these two things on there. If you got duct tape, too, I don't know if you're scared to actually walk over what just fell. Oh, there it is. We got duct tape. So watch this. So it's not perfect. I'm not going to take the time. But what happens is the duct tape creates a barrier in dualism. So it looks like this person is whole. But this person is completely cut off. The physical from the immaterial. Because the immaterial is only what matters. The body doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Here's the ramifications of it. The, the second floor, you can choose your reality even though it contradicts the first floor. You can create your different reality, and it has massive implications. It's what led in 1973 for the Supreme Court to conclude that even though a baby in the womb is human, physically, it's not a person. Because according to our definition, whenever that moving line is, they can't think, they can't feel, they can't be a person. So you can justify murder with a dualistic worldview. You could do that because it's not a person. Because they're separate. They're not the same. Does that make sense? They've ceased or they, they've never started to be a person. That, that's a secular worldview. Euthanasia. It, it, gives mo it gives momentum to this idea that the body is just simply a machine, a tool to be used and controlled. It's not human, or it is human, but it doesn't have personhood, right? And so somebody who is emotionally sick, mentally sick, lost their ability to reason, well, they're no longer a person, right? And so, well, why wouldn't you end their life? The logic of it just makes sense. You can justify killing people even though they're breathing on the first floor. But according to whatever definition that is sliding according to society on what it means to be a person, yeah, you, you could kill them. Sexual identity movement is born out of a dualistic worldview. The body doesn't matter only what the person feels or thinks. That's the gospel of secularism. 
You don't worry about what your body is physically. That's not who you are. And so dualism fractures a person, breaking the lower, the physical, from the upper, the immaterial, our, our, our mind, our will, our heart. It severs the two. The problem with secular dualism is it moves towards insanity. So here's the problem. In Idaho, some parents were very frustrated because their daughters in track and field were racing against men who were transitioning into women. And so the parents of these daughters are saying this is an unequal playing field. Our daughters can never win, and they weren't winning in any of these races. So they went and created the bill to pass in the Idaho House, and I think it was getting passed or got passed, and then it went to the court of Idaho, and Idaho court struck it down. Why? Because they're a dualistic worldview. Whatever this person's reality is, and whatever they determined up here, that's their reality, and we need to honor that, and that then impacts everybody else. And they struck it down. Even though everybody at the track and field events can clearly see that even people who are secular dualists are struggling with this because they're watching their daughters lose races, and they don't know what to do because it's like, well, wait a minute, the body does matter, but... I've separated it, and I got this worldview that says the body doesn't matter, but it does matter. I don't know what to do. Which one is it? And it creates chaos. You ever heard of that word gaslighting? It's a term where somebody who is profoundly deceptive or has at least bought a lie and they say the lie over and over and over and over again in relationship to somebody else to the point whoever lives with that person eventually begins to doubt their own reality and their own sanity and version of reality or worldview even though it's true because the other person is so committed to the lie church if you have a biblical worldview i'm telling you right now you're being gaslighted by culture, and a secular dualistic worldview. It, it doesn't line up with nature. It doesn't. It, it tears people into pieces. It literally fractures people. And, and and these two can't, a person is literally sitting there going, the bottom half does not relate to the upper half. And that idea does immeasurable harm. It encourages people to live incongruent lives. So how shall we then live with a biblical worldview? Genesis 1 says this. Let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And so God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. We're physical beings. We're immaterial beings. The body, along with our mind, Heart, soul, spirit, however you put those together, are all together integrated whole. The moral commands, I don't know if you've noticed this. I haven't talked about the moral commands in the Bible. You don't need to. It all emanates from this worldview. This is where it starts. Any conversation, why even go into the commands? Because it's a worldview. How do you look at truth how do you determine worth? How do you determine a body and its relationship to the mind and its soul? And all of a sudden, when you start to see this play out, we begin to look at life differently and people differently. 
This happened to the church. Gnosticism attacked the church way long ago. Gnosticism was a dualistic worldview where it came in and said, oh, the spirit's really good. Oh, let's just go off and, and into mysticism. That's really what it was. Just go abandon the body. The body's bad. Who cares about the body? Go into mysticism. The church, back, what, two or three hundred years after Christ, faces and said, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. And they rejected Gnosticism, which was a form of dualism. Dualism's just been around forever. It's always being reworked, remade. If you study history, it's always coming back. And what's interesting is the early church fought against abortion back in the day. And we're just doing what anyone who sees and understands a worldview from God's perspective must do. Fight for people. Defend the poor. Defend those who don't have a voice for themselves. Why? Because there's, they're created in the image of God. Their entire being is. Inestimable worth. Completely integrated. If you're not a 10 on this, I, I really want to ask you, why are you not? If you follow Christ, why are you not a 10 on this? If, if you abandon this, you abandon so much of the biblical worldview. I'm a 10 on this. I'm going to get canceled. If you're a 10 on this, it's coming. It's not a 5, it's not a 2. We don't get to pick and choose which one. They both have intrinsic worth. Both of these things. God calls the body and the immaterial, our mind, our heart, our soul, as good. If you're, if you're sitting there and you're watching at home um, and you're wrestling with what does it even mean to believe in Jesus and to follow Jesus, I, I get this. You're probably sitting there going, I... This isn't even on my radar, or this is on my radar. I don't even line up with that. I get it. I totally get that. I understand that. And what, what I would invite you into, if you don't have a context to talk about that, um, we have something called Alpha, which is a place where you can talk and you can say all the questions that, and the statements that you think you could never say to a Christian because you'd lose relationship with them. You can do that there. Because part of it is we don't have a context where we can actually talk about this in a civil way. I mean, we watch the debates. I've talked to Democrats and Republicans, and, and everybody's ashamed of that debate. That was just miserable. And that's our country. And, and what Christ would have, if you're here and you're trying to figure out how to follow Christ or even what to believe, I'm telling you, we want a place, we want to create a place where it's safe to engage and to figure things out. But I would say don't, don't focus on the worldview as much as focus on what you're going to do with Christ. And we just took communion. That's the essence of Christianity. You, you figure out Christ. And then the rest of the stuff, he'll start to make clear to you. For those of you who follow Christ, I, I would say, as you look ahead to these days ahead and what's going on in our culture, I'm praying that this hopefully explains one aspect of our faith that is getting, cult that is getting canceled, this worldview. Hold on. Hold on to Christ. Hold on to his word and how he has made us. Don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Let's pray. Lord, would you settle on our church? Would your presence be on us, God? Would you so uh, put your word in us and the implications of it and this worldview that you have, that that is, it just is because of you and, and truth and reality. Would you just make that part of the very fabric of us so that we understand that and we move in that? Lord, would you make Freshwater a place where we're not angry about it? <laughs> we don't have to win the argument. Lord, would you just make us people of grace that continue to be found in places where people are devalued? 
found in places where people are so broken and hurt and don't know why things aren't working. Would you, would you make Freshwater a place where healing and restoration can happen? As people try to figure out and come out of that kind of a worldview and trying to move out of the chaos of that into something that's, that's from you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for how it tethers us to reality. Amen.